interrupting your normally scheduled talking element in order to bring you a special one where we're going to answer some of the questions you've asked out of Job 1 and 2. Now, this is going to be a longer episode. We want you to understand that as you go into it, but we're really going to try to answer the questions you've asked. We are praying that it's helpful and ask us any more questions you might have in the midst of this. Jesus loves you. Welcome to Talking Element, week three of the book of Job. And today is going to be a little bit different. Today, I have a whole host of people with me to answer some of the questions that you have asked out of Job chapter 1 and chapter 2 about the sovereignty of God and the problem of evil in the world, which we are going to totally just fill in in 15 minutes, and you'll have all the answers you ever needed, even though centuries that they have been arguing about these things. So... I'd like to start and have the panel kind of introduce themselves. I want to start with Eric, because Eric has not been on Talking Element yet. So. First time. So yeah. who are you? Uh, Eric Jafruti. I'm one of the elders here at Element. And, uh, yeah, I've been here at Element since the beginning, yeah. since we launched. Uh, Steve Pruitt, retired pastor, kind of semi-retired. We are uh, GC leaders, my wife Sue and I, and uh, enjoying that a whole lot, even during the COVID time, being able to meet outside because we have a nice big patio. <laughs> So I'm Mike Harmon, one of the elders here also, and a GC leader, and recently retired about eight months ago from work, so I, I can't say I'm retired, <laughs> and don't miss it, so yeah, it's been great. So uh, just to begin, one of the reasons that I actually asked Steve to be with us is we, if, if you guys don't know this, we sometimes as elders sit down, we kind of, we'll talk about things and walk ourselves into the weeds and kind of lose where we want to go. And, and Steve, you've always been very good at kind of drawing, you know, things back to the practical. So I figure, you know, if we're all, oh, you'll be like, all right, guys, help. you know, here, here's the practical. You can help us bring us back. Yeah, so, no pressure, Steve. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Let's start with just Job. It starts off, he is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and turns away from evil. And there are different things, I think, in our mind when we hear those words, because when we hear the word blameless, we think sinless. And that's not the case. And that's Mm -hmm. not what that word is used for either. Like in Job 13, Job talks about the iniquities of his youth. And in Job 14, he talks about his sins. So Mm -hmm. Job knows he's not sinless. The blameless has that connotation of sincerity in wanting to follow God. But really when you get to that thing where he fears God, that's kind of the thing that kind of sets me back a bit about Job. Because you see that Job almost has an irrational fear of God. Because in the beginning of the book, his kids will go and they'll get together for a party at their son's house. And what does he do? Every time they have one, he gathers them together. Just in case. Sacrifices. Just, yeah, <laughs> and he sacrifices just in case. So it kind of gives you a little bit into the mindset of Job. Would you expect that from Old Testament, you know, pre-grace, pre-understanding of, of the Messiah, and that he would believe that way and feel like he's got to cover all his bases? And a couple of things I thought about in regards to Job is one, you, know, you talked about um, integrity and possibly being innocence, and mm-hmm. I could see Job thinking, "I don't deserve this." Mm-hmm. Not that he was sinless, but I just I've not done anything this bad. Right. Well, really, none of those descriptions of him equal the term sinless. Right. None of them do. Blameless just means that when he did something wrong, he did something about it. Yeah. In fact, he even like upped the ante when he <laughs> thought maybe somebody did something wrong. Right. I'll bring he my kids over. We're going to sacrifice together, kids. Yeah. And this actually leads into one of the questions that somebody asked. This is what they said. Uh, 
In, in Bible times, we clearly see God's wrath in places like Sodom and Gomorrah around the whole earth when he flooded the earth. In those instances, the Bible says there were no righteous people. It was just. But most of the time, it seems like God plays more of a passive role in our lives, meaning he allows bad things to happen in our lives rather than making or causing these things to happen. With Job, it feels like bad things were happening, and God actively plays a part in Satan's actions against him. Have you considered my servant Job and all that? God even acknowledges to Satan that Job is blameless and upright. So how is this just? Are we possibly missing a piece of the story that would offer more context, or is it simply cultural difference? It seems like you already answered that question. I mean, blameless doesn't mean that he's perfect, that he's right. sinless, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that morality uh, doesn't save us. It's right. Christ who saves us. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so we can say those things are evil. You have the natural evil. You have moral evil. Yeah. And yet God is big enough to take all of that and, and weave his perfect plan and, and redemption through all of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes God so amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in the case of Job... If you look at the conversation between Satan and God, Satan meant those things to be evil because right. he wanted to get Job to show God up as unworthy to be served or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was not going, oh, this will be good for Job. Right, right. right. <laughs> teach him more about God. He, he wasn't he doing that. Harm. He, yeah. Yeah, he meant it for evil. Yeah. But... God meant it for good, just like in the case of Joseph. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Which is which is the great example everybody comes back to is that understanding that all these people did all these evil things. God allowed those evil things, but what did He bring about? The saving of two peoples mm-hmm. because of it. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the guys in uh, the Sunday morning service came up to me this week and, and they said, "It just sounds like God threw Job under the bus." <laughs> uh. Yeah. God. God longs to put his glory on display, and he's now going to use Job to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, he certainly removed a hedge mm-hmm. about him, mm-hmm. right? A protection, which we don't, we take for granted. How often it, it, God's mm-hmm. already interceded for us and protected us from something that could have happened, mm-hmm. right? We do, we do get a glimpse into get God in that conversation being more active. Have you considered my servant right. Job? And it's unique in that mm-hmm. sense. I don't think you see that anywhere else, right? And, and so I think from our perspective and in, in our culture, it does raise some mm-hmm. troubling questions. So what are we missing? I think, I think in mm-hmm. English sometimes we miss the, the thing in there too that Satan shows up and we read it as Satan. But in, in the Hebrew text, it's the Satan. You know, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a designation almost. It's, it, and that's why I am sure to say a lot, the accuser, because that's what it means. He, mm-hmm. he accuses. That, that's kind of what he does. Definitely reality. Yeah. It, it, that is the role that he plays. If God wanted to throw me under the bus <laughs> like that, and, and would I be able to blame him if mm-hmm. he... I, I just don't see... I may not understand it, and I may want to blame him, but what if, by my getting thrown under the bus or persecuted or whatever, someone else saw that, like the Apostle Paul, like Saul saw Stephen being martyred, Mm -hmm. and I think that messed with his head, Mm -hmm. you know, it really did. And And how he he was more like, what is attitude was in the midst of it yes he and then you know he goes he's breathing out threatenings and slaughter and all of that and god uses those that sequence of events to bring about someone who was probably the greatest missionary Mm -hmm. of all time Mm -hmm. 
And would Stephen, standing in heaven, say 50 years later after he sees what Saul has done, have felt like he was thrown under the bus or was he exalted to a high position because God chose to put him there so that this thing could happen. And if you could ask Job those questions, <clears throat> or even Job's kids That's these questions, or Job's wife these questions, yeah. how would they now respond? Yeah. Because there's a whole different perspective on the backside of it. And so do you think maybe, th- this is actually my question, no one asked this, but do you think <laughs> maybe that there's almost no other way for others to see the nature of Job's faith? Like Stephen's martyred, is does he does God allow Stephen to be martyred just so that Paul could see his faith in the midst of that? Well, it's certainly a way to show. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Suffering produces character, and eventually, character produces hope. Yeah. That Romans five. There is Romans five. There is something about that. Um, hard time mm-hmm. that grows you in a way that nothing else can. I think mm-hmm. suffering, calamity, whatever tragedy you want to call it, it reveals our heart, mm-hmm. bottom line. I mean, mm-hmm. my mind gets offended a lot, but my heart really gets revealed mm-hmm. as to what do I think about God, what do I think about this situation? And, you know. I came across this thing, this guy uh, named David Kleins, and he said, but the converse of that would also be true. Like, Job loses all these things, but he said, if a poor man had a deep faith in God, it might even be necessary to enrich him, to do the opposite, enrich him, to be absolutely sure that his faith was not the result of his poverty. <laughs> sure. Right? Uh-huh. And we never think about that way, right? Like, right. you know, Can God's I handle wealth. I've often asked, what would I do if I'd be rich? How right, would I, how right. would I behave? You know? I mean, I want to know. Let <laughs> <laughs> me uh-huh. try for a little while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be nice to try it be out. Be careful what you ask for, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, how would, I, how would that affect my integrity and my. Would mm-hmm. I live up to my means or would I live the way I am and do other things? And give it away. Yeah. We are myopic with our own lives. We only see our circumstances and what's going on. Joe was myopic to his life, Satan's myopic. He, he doesn't know everything. He right. only sees certain limited. things. The mm-hmm. only one who isn't limited in their view is God himself. God. Yeah. So God is the only one who I would say truly has true free will because he can make decisions based upon everything that's actually there. Mm-hmm. None of us have that ability. He also is the only one who really knows the exact recipe that's needed for your life in order for you to grow right. to your maximum before you die, right. you know right. that yeah. uh, that you know the the stew doesn't know it's short on salt. <laughs> Notice I didn't say sugar, uh, but, <laughs> but but where the where the stew? <laughs> yes. The bottom line is you have to acknowledge Trust. that he really knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know Psalm twenty three. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For what reason? For his namesake. Mm-hmm. That's why. You know he doesn't he doesn't save me because I'm great. He saves me for his namesake. Mm-hmm. That that's who he is. God, God is first for God in His glory. Because if God had us first, God would cease to be God because mm-hmm. He would become an idolater. So God has to be first to God in the things that He does. I, I think it's hard for us to be a people who grasp onto that, and that's why a lot of theology today is people centered. Oh, it's all about people. It's like, well, it needs to be all about Jesus. It's all about us. It's it's not going to last. What happens and what goes on is first and foremost to reveal what God's really like. Yeah. His character, his nature, and that's what glorifies him. Mm-hmm. So no matter what's happening, it works out for my good often, always. <laughs> but more than that, God is being revealed for what he's really like, and that's what people need to see, his real nature and character. 
He knows that right. our deepest fulfillment comes from knowing, knowing him. him. And the better we know him, the more stable we are, mm-hmm. the more joyful and all of that. And so he's actually revealing himself. It is for his glory, but it is for the benefit of his creation because right. he's completely self-sufficient. He doesn't mm-hmm. need anything like that. Because until we actually worship him for him, we're always going to be stumbling around because we're worshiping something less than him. Yeah, being created as worshipers. That mm-hmm. It's like a, a, a hose that's always on. It's just a matter of where you're pointing it. <laughs> <laughs> we're worshiping all the time. What is that hose uh-huh. pointing towards? I like towards that. God. So when you said, that's, that's me, <laughs> God is in complete control and Satan can only do what God permits Satan to do, how are we to reconcile that statement of God's control sovereignty with God not being the source or author or cause of evil? As James you know, 1.13, uh, 1 John 1.5 are clear to present this. This seems tough to reconcile given our lesson in Job where God's decision to permit Satan to touch Job's possession and family resulted in the death of servants and Job's children, presumably friends at the party, etc. So that's, that's the question. How can we say God is allowing this, but he's not the cause of that? There's only three views that come about in that. You know, either God is not all-powerful, <laughs> or God doesn't care, or the Christian view, which is God does care, he is involved, he limits, but there's sin in the world, and God is going to use all things in the end for his ultimate purposes and glory. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to, like in this whole coronavirus era, kind of, it's kind of like a, uh, the germ theory that um, you know you have to come in contact with sin in order to experience it or to become sinful and so it had to start somewhere right it predates mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. so obviously um, Satan fell right so there was sin prior to creation so where did it come from then you, you could do something and you, you twist your leg and you have a fracture mm-hmm. and it's more like a fracture so if I have a fracture I can come in contact with Steve and that doesn't mean he's going to be fractured mm-hmm. but the circumstances are there for it mm-hmm. You know, and so from that point on, it's like we've all been twisted because of that. But it wasn't there. It, it, God didn't create that sin right. or that evil, but the circumstances had to be there. Otherwise, and this gets pretty deep, right. we would cease to be human beings. I think what you have to do is get back to what God was looking for mm-hmm. in creation. Why did he create? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was for his glory. But he wanted to create beings who could enjoy mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Desire. And, and desire. And have love, that love him, desire him. Rela- a, a relationship not because they were programmed to do it, but because they realized mm-hmm. the joy that is in him. The response so to him. In order to yeah. have that kind of a created being, you have to give them the option. Mm-hmm to love the yeah, ability yeah. to love or not to, or to love. turn away they from to, yeah. to, the, and, you're and this not goes back to being made in his image too right. that yes right. made in his image because god freely <clears throat> loves the trinity god freely loves his yeah. creation yeah. You know, it's, and god chooses to love us mm-hmm. and if we didn't have the ability to love him in that regard is love ever genuine in that Exactly. And it wouldn't be genuine. And so when we get to the idea of, well, why did God allow evil? The Bible never actually tells us why. It tells us how evil came about, Mm -hmm. but doesn't really say why he did it. But as we look at God's character and the desires that he shows, even in the Old Testament, under that rigid law and all of that, Mm -hmm. you get 
glimpses that God is telling them, don't do this stuff because it's going to wreck you. And yeah. I want to have, I want you to have the joy of walking with me mm-hmm. all the way through his, his motive was to have this real reciprocal relationship with humans. So to me, this is what magnifies the omnipotence of God, that he's accounted for all of that. And he's big enough to handle us making choices Absolutely. for evil. And that, I like that. And, and to me, that just blows my mind. You know, we think of God, if God was just mighty, you know, if he was just powerful and he was just good, he would have to be in control of every single action. He, yeah. would, he would have to move the pieces around, but to allow chaos to take place and to to be able to redeem that and work within that and to weave you know his perfect tapestry with all of that it just blows my mind yeah i mean some people think that to say that god doesn't control everything means that he's not sovereign he's not all powerful i think he's even more powerful more confident more secure to allow that you know, one, of the, one of the things I say in today's right. message, uh, as I, I talk about when we use this platitude of everything happens for a reason. Well, we have to understand that God set certain laws into place. This is why science works, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are certain things God has set into place, and, and he lets it go. So it doesn't mean every time that I smack my finger with the hammer, God's like, oh, I'm going to steer it. Boom. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. That's, that's right. not what God is doing. No. It's, right. it's not... It's it's not that everything, sometimes stuff just happens because we have messed up creation, and yet what God does is not cause me to hit my hammer, but he, bring with the hammer, but what he can do is move all of those things for his glory and our good. He can redeem everything that happens, Mm -hmm. not causing someone to get cancer or... Uh, some child to be sold into slavery or something like that. It's the idea that he can, in the end, take that and redeem those things that have taken place. All of human history and humanity is on this great cruise ship. And it is heading in the direction exactly where God wants it to be, and it will end up exactly where he wants it to be. There's Meanwhile, a we've whole set the deck of, on fire. Yes, and we're just yes, there's all of this chaos <laughs> and evil and all of that, and yet he still can take each of those things, never endorsing them or liking them, but being able to redeem them and keep moving us in that direction. To me, that's a good picture of of his sovereignty. See, th- this, I think all of that goes with the, the question that came out of the Borjas' GC, which is, since God had the ability to create us and allow us to live in heaven, why did he instead create us and allow us to live on earth, knowing there would be pain and suffering and hurt and heartache? All that could have been avoided if this step was skipped. <laughs> no, but I, there are a couple things with that that, that I, I take issue with. In I mean, not, not there's no dumb questions, and I don't want to sound like that at all. But it makes the point heaven, and not the point relationship with God. Right. Yeah, very good. It it, it, mm-hmm. it makes it. Why do I got to do this? Because I want that thing, rather than the point and the purpose of what God is doing in our lives and being sovereign and brilliant enough to make things the way that he is so it goes a direction so we become certain type of people. I mean, for eternity, all of us are are going to uniquely worship God mm-hmm. because of our unique life circumstances. Yes. And if those were short-circuited, we wouldn't be us. Yeah, if it's true that, you know, the, the 
chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy, enjoy him, him forever. Yeah. The chief end of man is not to be in heaven forever. Right. Although that's a that's a perk. I'm not getting you know <laughs> away from that. But the goal was our enjoyment of him. Well, why is that? Why does he want us to enjoy? Yeah. You know, I, I might need to be liked. God doesn't need to be liked, but you know, he wants us to enjoy him now and, and all the way through. And each of us gets to do that in a, a different Unique. way. That question assumes that that would have been the best approach. And obviously in God's wisdom, you know, he, he chose that that wasn't the best approach. Necessary. Mike had said something about, you know, we, we do know, I mean, Paul tells us that, yeah, all, all things work together for good. And then we tend to define what that good is. Right. Right. But, but what is that good? He, he, he goes on and he tells us what that good is, that we would be conformed to the yes. image of his son. That is the good. Mm-hmm. And there could be all hell that breaks loose to get us to that point. Mm-hmm. That point. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think God would say that these things weren't Horrible and bad that happened to Job, right. but yeah, we don't want to be platitudinous. It was legitimate pain. You're right, right. Yeah, there was hurt. Right, there, there's hurt. There's there loss. But in the end, God will still ultimately bring about His purposes, which is Job's. I mean, he's still a thunder at the end of the book, but Job's whole life completely changes at the end of the book. His whole outlook and how he sees the world is completely different. His understanding of, of God. Yes, because he had experienced yeah. who God is. Yes, I, I think. The question needs some more data. The the, mm. the if we really understood how much of an adversary and an enemy mm. and an attacker, sniper, yeah. bully, and all of that that Satan is, and how much he hates us and wants us to die, fail, and all of that, it would probably bring... Like, mm-hmm. if we say, well, why does God allow this? Well, why Why doesn't God just leave his hand off of us as mm-hmm. sinners and let say... Do yeah, what do we really deserve? We wouldn't right. last 24 hours no. if God totally released and didn't regulate. Mm-hmm. God is protecting us from so much stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean... First Peter 5.8, our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's not pick at. Right. That's like he wants to And once again, that destroy. shows he's our enemy. He he's really not God's enemy. He's he ours. He is our enemy. Yeah, he wants us discredited. He wants us to be in the same position that he is. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if God, who is also called the restrainer, mm-hmm. wasn't restraining evil, so a lot of times we ask, why does God allow mm-hmm. this evil or that evil? What we, the real question is, is, why does God bother to hold why it Why aren't back? we devoured? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. we are, we, right. do, we do deserve ultimately mm-hmm. whatever we get. Not that, you know, every evil that happens like to the sons actually was that they deserved it because they did some specific thing that right. deserved punishment for that but our very nature as sons and daughters of adam brings us into that same enemy status yeah under Um, god's wrath uh, Mm. and under the wrath of god why do bad things happen why do bad things happen to good good people people. and and really you know the the question is why do good things happen to anybody exactly (laughs) that's the real question Yeah. yeah So anyway, um, kind of the, the last question that comes about in this, uh, is, is there more scripture on God allowing Satan to have his way like he does within Job? Luke 22, where uh, Jesus talks to Peter and says, hey, 
Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Mm-hmm. 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 So there's this. It's not in the same sense that, but Jesus is letting Peter know that hey, you're wanted, mm-hmm. you know, if, and you know, I'm not necessarily giving you full access, mm-hmm. giving him full access. And to you. and he was sifted. He was. Yeah. Because he, he, to get purified, right? It's mm-hmm. the idea of being mm-hmm. sifted. And instead and of being thrown out as the chaff, right, right. he is the refined wheat. Right. <laughs> the, right. yeah, he, yeah. He, he denies Jesus. These things There's happen. Jesus things. comes and restores him. Yeah. And then we get to tell this story for 2,000 years <laughs> about Peter the knucklehead when we are all oh, like Peter. Yeah. First yeah. Corinthians 5, Paul talks about what to do with that adulterer mm. and said <laughs> he ought to be ha- turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Right. So it shows what Satan is up to. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. that if God were to turn us over, that's exactly what happened. But the purpose there was that his spirit would be saved. Right. Bring repentance. You know, that he would actually... And sudden Christians seems to indicate that that it guy actually happened. Right. There's, yes. there's, a, there's a reconciliation. Paul then said, it, embrace him. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the thing. You, you see these things taking place, and they're never pleasant, but yet God ultimately brings about his purpose. And again, we may never see that in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. But, and again, the unpleasantness that we, we haven't really touched on today, but... God's promised to walk with us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't leave us to go through it on our own. We have his presence to accompany, as difficult as it may be, we're not left alone or forsaken. It seems like we forget that when God created this, knowing that all that was going to happen, he himself committed himself also to walk in that pain with us because he mm-hmm. commits himself to come in Christ and live and die for us. And he walks with us in all those hard places. So he himself wasn't skipping that step for himself. Yeah. Well, and it even says that Jesus, in Hebrews, that Jesus learned obedience through the what things he that he suffered. suffered. Yeah. And I think it doesn't mean that, like, you know, he finally got smacked into obedience right. or anything <laughs> like that, but that he learned the cost of obedience mm-hmm. and the importance of it as he, you know, as he went through suffering. And this is why we have a great high priest who can, who knows all that we have gone yes. through. He has yeah. suffered everything we have except without sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in Job, what do we focus on? Oh, God allowed these things to happen. God allowed these things. And without ever seeing what the larger purpose could be, like all we think of is if I lost that, this is how I'd feel, rather than what is the ultimate purpose of what's taking mm-hmm. place in the end. If I know you right. and I know your character and I know that you wouldn't intentionally hurt somebody or wish them evil or whatever, if I know you well enough, I don't have to know the specific as to why you did a particular thing. And I think the same thing's true as we try to answer this question about evil is that we have to get beyond <clears throat> what actually happened and look at who God is, what is his intent for humanity, what's his ultimate desires for humanity, what is his character, what is his nature, you know, we know that he's holy and he's righteous, so in his character he's pure and in his deeds he always does what's right. And when we get to know God, when someone is struggling with something they're going through, calamity or tragedy or sorrow, we can vouch for God's character and nature and, yes. and love them well. Yeah. Listen well and love them yeah. well. And we can say, you know, that is a really good question, and I don't know if I have a really good answer for it, but I know this. I know God. Well, I've learned this yeah. about God. Mm-hmm. That he, is, he 
is this, he is this, and he is this. It's hard for us to see what happens to Job as God loving him right. in that moment. But yet in the end, we know that that's true, yes. that God loved him that's throughout that. Yeah, because that is his character. That's well, and is. the way that he describes him at the very beginning shows that he did. Mm-hmm. Like he's just going, I really like this guy. Yeah, he funny. does this all the time. He's just, you know, he's so great. Have you considered oh, yeah. him? I found him. That was a rhetorical question. He's jo- telling I mean, him for, about it. Job didn't be tested for God because God knows Job's heart. Yeah. He allows these things to happen because eventually in the end, what it does for all of us. Yes. When I said this, you know, in the message too, I, I was like, you have to understand, you're also not Job. So you know, there are cer- certain circumstances like you're not Moses, you're not King David, you're not the <laughs> Apostle Paul, and you're not Job. You also don't have to worry that God's going to destroy your entire <laughs> yeah. life this way because right. it's a special circumstance that God is using something to do. Not that God can destroy you. Know. But each of those strange events, mm-hmm. spectacular events, the reason they were written down is because they weren't normal. normal. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, you don't, you don't yeah. hear all of Job's life when he's just taking his livestock to market. Yeah, right. And <laughs> Job put on his left sandal this morning <laughs> and then his right sandal. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everything burnt down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what you hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what you're going through in your life, what questions you may have. If you have more questions, you can send them to us, connectourelement.org. And we will try and answer those as well. Maybe not, you know, during the rest of this series, but maybe in a blog post at some point. And we hope that your journey is going well through the book of Job and the Lent booklets that you're daily praying to God and asking him to lead you and guide you. And no matter what you're going through, especially amidst COVID, that God loves you and he is there. So next week we'll have a special guest on. Have a good week. Steve, when you mentioned you know, about the idea of knowing Aaron well and if someone got hurt by something he said. Are you going to say that's true because people no. try and like, explain <laughs> to people I'm going to say that, that in knowing you, Steve could also vouch for you.